The Island Institute presents From the Sea Up, stories of sustainability for Maine's coastal and island communities. I'm your host and the producer of this series, Galen Koch. In this six-part limited series of From the Sea Up, we explore the diverse array of sustainable seafood that makes up Maine's coastal economy and supports the state's fishermen, aquaculturists, sea farmers, and working waterfront businesses. This week, I want to take you back a few months to the middle of March 2021, which is just about the tail end of Maine's scallop fishing season. On one cold March morning, I woke at 3 a.m. to beat the light and drove from Portland to Tenants Harbor to meet Dan Miller. I am a lobster fisherman and a scallop fisherman, also a real estate agent and a DJ, but primarily fishing is my business. I met Dan at the Tenants Harbor Fisherman's Co-op. Dan's family has owned this wharf since the 1970s. I could make an entire podcast episode about the Miller family, their wharf, and the Fisherman's Co-op, but this episode of From the Sea Up is all about Gulf of Maine scallops. And so I met Dan on that cold March morning to head out into Penobscot Bay to drag for scallops. I think it's going to be a nice day. A little warmer than it was yesterday. By the time we motored out to fishing vessel Julianne at 6 a.m., the horizon was a brilliant salmon pink. F.V. Julianne is owned by Dan's brother, Tad. But for the duration of Maine's scalloping season, from December to March, Dan runs the boat with his crew, Ramey Upham and Jamie Kaiser. On the day I joined the crew, Jamie was on vacation in Florida, so Dan's grandson, Silas Miller, was helping out. The crew stays out in the bay until they either fill their scallop quota or the seas become too rough for the drag. If you've never seen a boat rigged for scallop dragging, I'll attempt now, with the help of Dan, to describe it to you. The F.E. Julianne has metal frames affixed to the stern, where the drag rig is pulled on and off the boat. Stretching overhead are cables and wires, an intricate pulley system that hauls the drag back into the boat with the push of a button. We fish a seven-foot wide drag. It's a heavy, heavy steel drag that's probably weighs somewhere near 2,000 pounds. It's called a chain sweep because the sweep on it goes, there's two shoes that hold the drag on the bottom, but then there's chains that go in kind of a half moon shape behind that drag, and the rings are all attached to that chain setup. The ring bag, the part of the drag that catches and holds the scallops, has four inch rings that allow undersized scallops to filter through and return to the sea floor. Those half moon shaped chains kick up the scallops. And the scallops can swim. They can swim quite well. And they can actually move. If you get a storm, they can move a long way. It's uh, just like the bye 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 thing in the song. Once we get out into Penobscot Bay, Dan lowers the drag and the scalloping really begins. 20 fathom. 25. This is also when I started to become queasy, not only because there's a fair bit of swell that morning, but also when the drag is set, the boat stays in a pretty small area. We were essentially doing wide donuts on a rocky sea. After about 20 minutes of these topsy-turvy circles, Dan and the crew are ready to bring the drag back onto the boat. They call it hauling back when you bring the drag back. And you dump your scallops on deck. 
The crew sorts the scallops, throwing back the undersized animals and empty shells and rocks that get caught in the drag. And they take them in and do, some boats have cutting houses, some don't. Fishing vessel Julianne has a cutting house. It's a small shack on the side of the boat with windows that face the sea and a tiny rectangular hole where the meat and shells of the scallop get thrown back to the ocean and to the gulls. You have to cut the meat of the scallop out of the, out of the shell. What people eat is the muscle that makes the shell open and close. You know, the, the innards, the, the guts, and the shells are thrown overboard. And all that's kept is the scallop. You have to have somebody that's good at cutting the scallops so they don't cut, they don't waste that meat. They don't cut halfway through it and leave part of it on the shell and throw it overboard. Ramey Upham is, in my humble opinion, an expert scallop cutter. He's dexterous and quick, cutting away the meat and shell in one swift, calculated movement, leaving the sweet abductor muscle, the part most Americans eat, unscathed. From what I hear, that's what you want in a shucker. I do this in the winter because I like it. I can stay right in the shop all winter and paint buoys, but I'd be crawling the walls. In Maine's scallop fishery, the bivalves must be shucked at sea. Scallops retain biotoxins in their meat, so the meat and shells are discarded, leaving only the cream-colored, toxin-free abductor muscle. Once the scallops are shucked, they're placed in white five-gallon buckets. The crew will fill three buckets and head back to shore, their quota met for the day. Which could take anywhere from an hour to all day. Um, early in the season, it's usually a shorter amount of time because there's a lot of scallops, usually in the start of the season. By the end of the season, we're pretty, pretty much fishing all day. And Once we've got our limit, come back to port, then usually between Tad and I, we coordinate where we're going to sell the scallops. The scallops are sold that day by Dan and his brother Tad to restaurants, individuals, and online markets like Luke's Lobster's e-commerce site or Downey's Dayboat. You may have picked up on the mention of various regulations within the scallop fishery in the state of Maine. Ring size, fishing zones, times of day, days of the year, shucking at sea, the list does go on. And this is what makes the Maine and northern Gulf of Maine dayboat scallops a sustainable seafood species. But it hasn't always been this way. Most consumers might not know just how much care and consideration has gone into this particular fishery. The Maine scallop fishery has, historically, been important in the state. Maine fishermen have spent winters diving or dragging for scallops as part of their seasonal income since the late 1800s. For Tad and Dan Miller, scalloping was just one in a patchwork of fisheries. I was fishing for fish, I was scalloping, I was lobstering, everything had its season. And we, we moved from one season to another a lot. You know, I dragged for shrimp in the winter, or I dragged for scallops. Or I fished for lobsters in the summer and the fall. And in the spring, I fished for fish, spring and early summer. So for me, it was a multi-fishery. I, I, everything had its season. And, you know, I did them all. Everything had its season. If you grew up in Maine, this is a familiar story. Fishermen and fishing communities often reference a time not too long ago when there were many diverse fisheries along Maine's coast. Here's Dan's brother, Tad Miller. Well, when I first got out of high school, I went scalloping with my brother Peter. 
Um, and we did a lot of things seasonally back then. It was what whatever kind of was in season. It, you know, lobstering wasn't as dominant as it is now. Um, you know, we went lobstering, we go scalloping, we go uh, shrimping during the winter or ground fishing, depending on what was going on. Ground fishing mostly in the spring through the early part of the summer, and then, you know, we'd usually change back over to lobstering for a while. Maine's fisheries have changed over the years, especially in the last three decades. As fish stocks collapsed and regulations tightened, many fisheries have either disappeared or become impossible to enter. And in the early 2000s, it really seemed like Maine's scallop fishery was going to be just another in a long list of disappearing industries. Now, I don't want to overstate this, but there is one name that comes up a lot when people talk about the dayboat scallop fishery in the Gulf of Maine. And that name is Tog Braun. So my name is Tog Braun. I run a company called Down East Dayboat. I ship the best scallops on the planet uh, around the country within 24 hours of harvest. And I'm actually shipping other products as well now, but the star of my show is and always will be delicious Maine scallops. Um, my background actually is fisheries management. I, it's my background and it's my passion. I, I managed the scallop fishery uh, in the state of Maine for a number of years, really from 2007 to 2011. In that time, implemented or helped to implement, I didn't do it unilaterally, obviously, but helped to implement a number of changes to the way the state of Maine manages the scallop fishery. It had been depleted, overharvested, I mean, frankly, for a number of years and we needed to put in some pretty drastic um, regulatory changes in order to bring it back, which we did. And the fishery is now rebounding. Fisheries management is a beast to comprehend. There are different regulations for federal fisheries, zones, states, and of course, countries. Scallop stocks can be abundant in one area, like say, in federal waters three miles offshore, and overfished in other areas. In the late 1990s and into the early 2000s, that was exactly what happened. Federal regulators closed fishing areas to ground fishing. And although that didn't bring back ground fish, the closures did, amazingly, revive the depleted scallop stock in federal waters. But by 2005, Maine's scallop fishery was bringing in just 33,141 pounds of scallop meat down from just over 1.5 million pounds in 1991. And so that was one of the things that we looked at in the state of Maine. We said, okay, we look offshore and we see that this resource has been brought back. And what I ended up doing is I had a, a, a number of meetings up and down the coast and spoke with the guys about what we should do. And they, I said, I want all your ideas, like throw all your ideas up there. And we ended up settling on three. Um, reducing the season length, closures, and enhancement. Um, and closures are really the ones, that, what worked the best um, because we closed large areas of the coast and in so doing brought, you know, allowed those scallops that were there to reproduce. And that, and that really made a huge difference. The scallop fishery was not doing real well. So they changed their management scheme and they divided it into three areas. Zone 1, Zone 2, and Zone 3. Zone 3 being Cobbscook Bay. Cobbscook Bay is far down east, tucked between Lubeck, Eastport, Pembroke, and surrounding towns. And they have their own specific rules for Cobbscook Bay, their own specific limit. 
days of the week that they can fish and weeks that you know so many days a year they can fish zone one where we are here the line kind of is just to the east of where we're sitting here in tennis harbor between here and vinyl haven and we have a 60-day season and we have a three bucket limit which is 135 pounds versus Cobscook which has a two bucket limit of 90 pounds but I primarily fish in zone two where they decide they go on rotational closures in other words they'd open an area up one year out of every three so the next year will be the west side of Vinyl Haven last year was the east side of Vinyl Haven the previous year before that was above North Haven and all the way from here from Vinyl Haven to almost Cobscook Bay almost the, a good chunk of the coast is in rotational closures so this year there's this area this area and this area open and next year there's that area that area and that open and there's two areas in between them closed the idea of rotational closures is to allow the juvenile scallops to grow bigger and to allow for scallops to reach reproductive age a female scallop can produce hundreds of millions of eggs per year so rotational closures yield results quickly. The species reproduces at such a rate that fishermen can see a return on their conservation investments within a few years. In general, it's difficult to impose new regulations on an industry. It can be costly for fishermen, and regulations are complex. For Tad Miller, the change to the scallop fishery was also a cultural shift. Back in the day when I broke in, economics dictated. You fished by economics. When you couldn't make any money anymore, it didn't mean that the fishery, that there wasn't a fishery, it just wasn't economically viable. So that's been kind of the change over the course of my fishing career. We've moved more towards a management process. And it hasn't been easy. It hasn't been easy for guys from my generation that were youth when I came up, you didn't have to you didn't have to think about what you just if you wanted to try something you went and did it that, that's all it took you went and bought a license for that particular particular fishery and you went if you made money you kept doing it if you didn't you stopped so it was a simpler way of doing business it's it's a, it's a lot harder in that sense now um, but i see the other side of it too i think there's benefits of management and Hopefully you're, uh, you're utilizing your resource in a smarter, better way. We've gone now to a four-inch ring um, back a few years ago, and I think that's definitely having, a, having an effect. It's, at least it's helped keeping your seed scallops on the bottom until they uh, can spawn out and whatnot. Um, so I think you got a little better setup as far as the animal itself sustaining itself you know it's like i said I've, i mean we all as fishermen we always have our gripes about the way it's managed and we always have our own opinions uh, it's just not an easy thing to do you're trying to manage something that you can't see you don't know what your impact is you, you know it's just it's not an easy thing despite those gripes scallop conservation efforts in maine and the northern gulf of maine have yielded results in 2020, Maine scallop fishery brought in over 658,000 pounds of meat, up from that dismal 33,000 pounds in 2005. And there has been a shift, I believe, in the scallop fishery in Maine, where 
previously when there weren't very many regulations and the fishery was kind of in the toilet, guys were like, eh, whatever, I'll take the, I'll take those small scallops, you know. And now they sort of see that the, there there is a respect for the resource, there's a respect for the sustainability, um, and they're not breaking the regulations as much. And and that's that continues to evolve. And so that's something that I find fascinating as a fisheries manager is if you take care and you manage the resource the way it should be and, and people start to respect the rules, it's sort of a positive feedback loop. The scallop industry in Maine accounts for 1% of the U.S. scallop industry, with 99% of scallops being caught on trip boats. In the global seafood supply chain, those trip boats are necessary. But there is a big difference between a scallop that's caught on one of those trip boats that stays out at sea for 10 or more days, and a scallop that's caught, sold, and consumed or frozen in less than 24 hours. For Tog Braun, differentiating between those two fisheries was critical to sustaining Maine's scallop industry. And at a meeting in Jonesport, I remember it well, um, Morris Alley said, you know, Tog, I wouldn't mind lowering the, the catch limit, which is the amount of scallops that they can bring in, the guys can bring in each day, if I knew what I was going to get paid for my catch. But I never know what I'm going to get paid. And it, I had sort of an Oprah aha moment then of, why is Morris Alley that is coming in with 80 pounds of scallops that he harvested, you know, a mile offshore or even less than that four hours ago? Why is his price being set by the offshore fishery, which is huge compared to the main fishery, where boats are at sea for 10 days at a time sometimes and they store their scallops in cloth bags uh, buried in ice and the ice melts and the scallops absorb it. So basically the price for his artisanal, perfect, fresh, plump, sustainable Maine scallop was being set by this vastly inferior product. And so for a number of years, I actually tried to get some dealers in Maine to do what I thought needed to be done, which was to focus on highlighting the superior the superiority of Maine scallops. And no one did it, so I quit my job and I started doing it myself. So that's what my, my company does, Down East Dayboat. I, I'm on a mission to show the world what scallops are supposed to taste like, and they're supposed to taste like Maine scallops. Moving from fisheries management to selling dayboat scallops was, for Togue, in line with the same effort she was working on in the DMR. By creating demand for the fresh, off-the-boat taste of a dayboat scallop, fishermen would, in turn, get more money per pound for their catch. There's an educational component there where if you've never tasted a main dayboat scallop that is properly handled, you don't realize that level of flavor and texture and deliciousness exists. Um, it's like if all you've ever had is like a rock-hard pink strawberry and then suddenly you taste that like just picked like soft juicy exquisite strawberry you're never going to go back to the other kind but if you've never tasted that red one then you're not going to pay extra for it because you, your, your mind can't capture that there's that, that, that level of deliciousness exists I grew up in Stonington, Maine, and I remember my parents getting 15 or 20 pounds of fresh dayboat scallops from local fishermen each winter. We'd pack them in plastic freezer bags and thaw fresh, frozen scallops to eat on hot August days with lobster and corn. The best way to get seafood is directly from the fishermen. There's, I mean, you grew up in Stonington, you know that. 
I try not to sell too much in Maine because I don't want to compete with my fishermen. People in Maine should be buying directly from the fishermen if, if they can. They can't always do that, but if you can, buy direct. Access to high-quality off-the-boat seafood isn't possible for everyone in Maine or around the country. This is one of the reasons that online markets like Luke's Lobster's e-commerce site and Downey's Dayboat are so exciting. If you can't get that scallop on the same day it was caught, on a wharf or in a seafood market, then you can buy fresh from Togue or flash frozen from Luke's, and you can be sure that product was bought directly from fishermen. It's worth mentioning here that when it comes to eating sustainable seafood, traceability is key. A fishmonger or online market should be able to identify where your seafood was caught and preferably who caught it. There's a ton of information about the various types of scallop fisheries on Downey's Dayboat's website. And on the site, Togue points out that fraud is, unfortunately, common in seafood supply chains. I can't get into the nitty-gritty in this 30-minute podcast, but buying from reputable and trustworthy sources is really important if what you care about is high-quality, high-value products that support local communities. And for fishermen like Dan Miller and his crew, Maine scallops are a reliable, stable, and marketable product and provide an opportunity to diversify beyond lobster. You know, scallops are, are very marketable. They're all meat. There isn't any waste. So I, you know, I don't see anything but positive for the scallops right now. It's not, you know, it doesn't mean it's going to be a gold mine because it isn't. But it's a good off-season fishery when you're not lobstering and you're making money. Every, you know, they're making something every single week if you can get out. And for a lot of Maine families, that's a big deal. Just to have something coming in when there wasn't, there's no shrimp season right now. So scallops is, other than lobster, scallops is the is the wintertime thing. That's it. There's a lot of power in what we choose to buy, from the clothes we wear to the groceries and produce we consume. Here's Tad Miller. When you're buying stuff like like a a day caught scallop or a lobster that's coming from Maine or ground fish, it's generally a small boat fleet. You're supporting somebody and their family is making a big difference in their life. Uh, you know, it's giving them the ability to carry on and do what they love doing and uh, they feel good about doing. And it's, uh, I think that's pretty, it's kind of the same idea as buying off the small family farmers. It's, it's, there's, a, there's a lot of connectivity between the two as far as those things go. And I, you know, I think it's good. You look in the person, especially the closer you can get, you look in the person in the eye that you're buying something off of. And, you know, I, I think in general, they're, they're going to try and, they, they have some pride in that. You know, they're going to try and give you a premium quality product if they can. As someone who eats seafood, I want to know that what I buy is impacting people, not corporations. I want to support owner-operator fisheries, family businesses, and fisheries that value sustainability and resource management. Those are my values as a consumer. And we all get to set our values and decide how and what we want to eat. If what you value is sustainable seafood that supports fishermen directly, then Maine Day Boat Scallops are a great choice. But there's another reason to eat Maine scallops, and that's just, frankly, because they are exquisitely 
mouthwateringly delicious. Scallops are an easy way, if people want to eat more seafood, scallops are a great way to start. The stuff that you're going to get from reputable producers that are that are dealing in Maine dayboat scallops, like Downey's Dayboat, like Luke's Lobster, like a number of others, it's a great way to start because you can pan sear it and there's going to be no fishy smell. Like, you're not going to stink up your kitchen. You're actually going to make your kitchen smell great because it's got these nice, you know, caramelization on the outside of the scallop when you're getting truly dry scallops. It actually it put it in butter and bacon fat and it... it produces like a caramel butterscotchy smell in your kitchen. So it's a great way to start. You can't really screw them up as long as you don't overcook them. And as long as you err on the underside because they're amazing raw, you know, you, you can't go wrong. Maine scallops are the best scallops in the world, bar none. Thanks for listening to From the Sea Up, presented by the Island Institute and produced by me, Galen Cope. Special thanks to Togue Braun, Dan Miller, Tad Miller, Merrick Carey, Ramey Upham, and Silas Miller for their participation and research on this episode. For more information about Luke's Lobster and the online market where you can purchase flash-frozen dayboat scallops year-round, visit www.lukeslobster.com. For in-depth information about the scallop fisheries in Maine, and beyond, visit www.downeastdayboat.com and click on the link, The Four Ds. From the Sea Up is made possible by the Fund for Maine Islands and a partnership between the Island Institute, College of the Atlantic, Luke's Lobster, Maine Sea Grant, and the First Coast. For more information, visit www.islandinstitute.org podcast.